G'day, g'day! Welcome to Game Day with Gabe. I'm your host, Gabe the Babe, and you're about to get an insight to the college football world. Howdy, Cukes fans! Welcome back to Game Day with Gabe. This week, I'm going to talk about Taysom Hill, college football, some NBA, NFL, and World Series all happening at the same time. Right now, Halloween is the prime for sports. We've got World Series in the middle of the series. We have NBA just starting, NFL and college football midseason. And when you have all four of those all at once, you could get a pretty good weekend with college football Saturday, NFL Sunday, NBA games in between, and the World Series on both days. You get some pretty good weekends of sports. First thing, I'm going to talk about Taysom Hill. In 2013, BYU was playing number 15 Texas at home. After two hours anxiously waiting the return of the game because of a lightning delay, Taysom Hill has the game of his life. He runs for 259 yards and three touchdowns. He scored the most points on BYU's team, and he ran for more yards than anyone else did more than the running back, more than Texas did combined, and he was so dominant. He carried BYU past number 15 Texas 40-21 to to get the upset. The next year, in 2014, BYU senses a home-and-home series. BYU has to travel to Austin, Texas, and play on the road at DKR Memorial. That stadium seats 100,000 people and it's not an easy place to win. The game day experience there is huge, and Texas has revenge on their minds after being completely embarrassed the year before. They have a new head coach, Charlie Strong, and it is a big game day in Austin. They have these traditions, like Bevo Boulevard, where they have a bunch of stands handing out free snacks. They have a bunch of Texas merch shops you can buy stuff at, and you have a bunch of Texas fans strolling around. Well, when the game starts, it's 6-0 in halftime. BYU's up 6-0, and we forced two turnovers. Fumbles, they had lots of fumbles this game. BYU goes up 6-0 on two field goals, and our defense holds them to no points. At the start of the third quarter, Taysom Hill takes a 30-yarder into the end zone, hurdling a defender, for a highlight reel play. That picture of Taysom Hill hurdling the defender has gone viral, and you'll see it on t-shirts now. So when I went to see BYU play at Texas this week, we could see that, and it was so hyped. BYU led the series 4-2 all-time after beating Texas. So we go up 13-0 in that game, and we never look back, forcing four, four turnovers and winning 41-7. A dominant game really embarrasses Texas because Taysom Hill, once again, runs for 91 yards and three touchdowns, a two-yarder, one-yarder, and 30-yarder, and you'd think that Texas would have prepared better, but we completely embarrassed them again. Two years in a row, we lead the series 4-2 all-time. So, does BYU replicate that success this week and go up 5-2 on Texas, or does Texas use their dominant play late and use their power, their speed, their strength, 
and their five-star talent and ability to win games to beat Texas at home. Well, it didn't go the way BYU would have liked. Texas did get the win, 35-6. They played very well, even without starting quarterback Quinn Ewers. Malik Murphy filled in for him. He had a couple of interceptions, which set them back a bit on offense. One of those was an interception that was returned to the 10-yard line, but it was called back 50 yards because of an illegal block in the back. And our offense couldn't get going that game. Once again, Keaton Slovis struggled to get our tight ends and wide receivers the ball. And the rushing attack was kind of non-existent till the fourth quarter. So that's a bunch of three and outs for BYU's offense. Our defense really stepped up to the task, though. I really like how our defense played against Texas, which has a bunch of speedy five stars everywhere on the field. Mentioning Xavier Worthy in particular, he scored the first touchdown for Texas on a punt return. That guy is so fast. He's sped by everyone on BYU's um, punt return special, and he easily scored the punt return touchdown. If you would have seen how fast he ran, you would be amazed. That's five-star speed right there, and it's everywhere on the field. They have Adrian Mitchell, another wide receiver who's a really good deep threat and got two touchdowns in the game. They have Jonathan Brooks, their All-American running back, and he is a big, fast dude. He was really carving up the BYU's defense that game. And without Quinn Ewers, Texas was a different team. They weren't quite as explosive, but... Malik Murphy filled in fine. They got the win 35-6, and it was a pretty convincing win. BYU has some questions we need to figure out, but I think we played pretty well. We need to figure out our offense more, nor I think our offensive line needs to do way better. The same things are the issues for BYU, and I think if we keep on working at it and make some serious changes, because changes are definitely coming, then BYU will have a successful rest of the year and make it to six, maybe seven wins. Upset week this week in college football. Number six, number 11, number 13, number 17, number 20, and nearly number 24 USC got upset. That's five ranked teams getting upset. It's not every day you see that. Number six, Oklahoma lost to Kansas on the road. To go off on a tangent here, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that exciting game. Kansas beat Oklahoma 38-33, and fans tore down the goalposts after the game and threw them in a lake by the stadium. I'm getting Tennessee vibes listening to this because Tennessee did the exact same thing to Alabama last year. When they upset them, they tore down the goalposts and threw it in a river by the stadium. Kansas did the same thing, beating number six Texas after a last second, final, uh, last gasp throw from Dylan Gabriel that fell incomplete in the back of the end zone. Kansas secured the upset. That vaulted Kansas into the rankings at number 22. Going back to my upsets, number 11, they also lost. That was Oregon State at Arizona. A late window, 8.30, Oregon State lost at Arizona. Arizona has a quarterback, true freshman, Nate Fifita, and he is a really great quarterback, and he's going to cause some problems for BYU in the Big 12 once Kansas, not Kansas, Arizona joins. He had three touchdowns for 
275 passing yards and an interception. But Oregon State couldn't do enough to beat Arizona. And I totally called this game. Last week, I said that Arizona would get the upset against Oregon State. And sure enough, they did. I'm also 8-0 in my college football predictions for BYU. So things are going well there. Okay, going back, another tangent. Number 13, Utah loses at home to Oregon. College game day went to Salt Lake City, and Utah got completely humiliated. Bo Nix shredded up their defense, and he just grinded on them, and they really didn't have an answer. Utah got embarrassed 35-6 at home. Ironically, it was the same score as BYU, both of them losing in embarrassing fashion, but I'm sure Utah fans are more angry than BYU fans. I'm always happy to see Utah lose after a lot of hype. BYU, it was more expected, but Utah, they're really upset. Oregon and Bo Nix are a really good team, and they are contenders for the playoff. After their dominant win at Utah, I love to see that. So Utah loses. To go back, another tangent. Number 17 in my rankings. This is North Carolina being upset by Georgia Tech, 46-42. North Carolina's lost two straight now. They lost to uh, Virginia last week, and now Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has upset number 17 North Carolina and previously ranked number 17 Miami earlier in the year. And that was on that crazy game where Miami didn't kneel, and they could have won that way. Georgia Tech is now doing pretty well, 4-4, because they have those two signature wins. North Carolina has lost two straight, so they're spiraling a bit downward. It's good to see some upsets. And my final one, another tangent, is number 20. That's number 20 Duke, losing at number 18 Louisville. Less of an upset, because both of these teams are ranked, but they won 23-0. Duke got completely embarrassed. I think Riley Leonard's injury dampened the chances of them winning. And Louisville is now 7-1, 4-1 in ACC play. So I am predicting that it will be Louisville and Florida State squaring off in the ACC championship game. Now, USC. That was a really close game. They're ranked number 24, and they were playing at California. California had a chance to win this game late. It was tied 43-43. USC scored a touchdown to go up 50-43. And then, with less than a minute left, Cal got a touchdown and decided to go for two. I recommend going for two if you're in Cal's position, because since they have a worse team with not as good talent as USC, they should prefer to end the game immediately rather than carry it on, because talent will win when it gets dragged on in the game. So they went for two, and USC got they got it. It was an incomplete pass, and it fell short. So USC stayed leading 50-49, to 49, and they won at Cal. But it was almost a crazy upset. Now I'm going to look at some amazing picks that I had this week in College Pick'em. This is Gabe the Babe, and I'm about to go on College Pick'em. My first pick that I'd like to share was a spread of 10.5 to Oklahoma when Oklahoma was playing at Kansas. 
Kansas won outright, and I predicted it. It was a great one. I picked Utah to cover against Oregon, but Oregon to win outright. I was right on one of those picks. Oregon definitely went out right, and Utah did not cover. It was a blowout. Texas, unfortunately, covered at BYU. Pardon, BYU uh, at Texas. Texas covered 17.5 as the spread. Georgia covered at Florida. So I discovered that this game is played at a neutral site in Jacksonville, Florida, at TIAA Bank Stadium, which is home to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it's known as the Cocktail Party because they do a lot of drinking at this game. And since I thought it was at Florida, I would have given them a bit more of an advantage. I found out it was a neutral site. So Georgia ended up winning by 43 to 20, by 23 points. They covered the spread of 14.5. So there you go. Colorado at UCLA was 16 to 28. They covered the spread and Ole Miss covered the spread of 25 by winning by 26 at home to Vanderbilt. Now in some standard picks that I'm going to share with you. Last week, we had Iowa State win at Baylor. I got that one right. Oregon won at Utah. I did get that one right. Nebraska won at home to Purdue. Boise State definitely won against Wyoming, 32-7. Blowout win for Boise State. That will help them getting to bowl eligibility on a tangent. All right, going back. Tennessee won at Kentucky by six points, 33 to 27. Arizona beat number 11, Oregon State at home, 27 to 24. I got that one right. And Fresno State beat UNLV at home, 31 to 24. So my picks went really well last week. Week 10, there's going to be some really good games. There's going to be five ranked on ranked games, and there's a lot of good ones to check out. For now, I'm going to move over to the NFL and the MLB to talk about some interesting stats and some really good games coming up. A few tidbits of stats from the NFL I'd like to share. The Jets and the Giants combined to have more punts than points, 24 to 23. The Jets won the game 13 to 10 against the Giants. Now, these teams are both from New York, so it was kind of a neutral game. Technically, Giants home. And it was a slug there because it was rainy and it was miserable and neither team had any offense. It was a defensive battle the whole game. The Jets did win on a last-second comeback. They were down. The Giants had the ball with 30 seconds left, and they were up 10-7. to And it was third down. The Jets stopped them at about the 30-yard line. So the Giants were attempting a 30-yard field goal to seal the game and go up 13-7. They missed the 30-yard field goal in the slog and the rain. And that gave the Jets a spark and a chance. And they took over the ball. They had two 21-yard passes to Garrett Wilson and to Alan Lazard. And that drained the clock because they had no timeouts. And the clock was at 30 seconds. So it trickled down, and they don't stop to move the chains in the NFL. So it was rushed and crazy, and it was hectic and pretty chaotic, but they managed to get the ball down, spike it with one second left, at about the 30-yard line of the Giants. Based on those two completions, the Jets were in field goal range, and they attempted the field goal to tie it, and they did, and they tied it 10-10. to That on its own was crazy. Zach Wilson spearheaded the drive 
with Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard helping him out. Now, the Giants got the ball first in overtime, and that was a mistake because they didn't have any offense. Their quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, got injured in the third quarter, and they had to rely on their backup, DeVito, a freshman, not freshman, rookie from Illinois, and he didn't have the type of leadership they needed. So their offense went three and out, and they punted to the Jets. The Jets had a big pass interference call going their way, right? So it was on the Giants, but the Jets got the advantage of it. They marked the ball at the spot of the foul. It was about a 30-yard penalty. That put the Jets in range, and they didn't want any mistakes, any fumbles, or any interceptions. So they decided to kick the field goal another 30 or 40-yarder on first down. They did it and barely made it in the left uprights, and they won 13-10 in one of the strangest games you'll ever see. So, going on a tangent, that was a really good game and crazy one. Taysom Hill for the Saints got yards on all three sides of the ball. 44 yards throwing, 63 yards, and two touchdowns rushing, and 14 yards receiving. He truly is a Swiss Army knife and a triple threat in football. They can use him in any position, and I remember in Texas, he just carved up their defense. It was really fun to watch. Watching him hurdle defenders and get the upset that they fired their coach for, actually. Texas had to fire their coach because of BYU's upsets and continually embarrassing their defense. So go for Tays- good for Taysom Hill that he's getting this playing time in the NFL that he really does deserve. And I'm happy for him because the BYU alumni are going to get three quarterbacks starting at the same time. If you t- if you technically count it, Taysom Hill's a tight end, but he plays every position. And then Zach Wilson starting for the Jets, and Kurt Cousins just got injured on the Vikings. And since Jaron Hall was the backup, he's now going to be their starter for a week. So you're going to have Jaron Hall starting for the Vikings, Zach Wilson starting for the Jets, and you're going to have Taysom Hill playing every position for the Saints. That's three of BYU's past four quarterbacks all playing in the NFL and starting. So that's really exciting. The Broncos beat the Chiefs for the Chiefs' only second loss of the year. Mahomes had two interceptions, playing a good Broncos defense. But I think the X factor was that they were playing in Denver, and it snowed heavily. It was rainy, snowy, slushy, and the Chiefs just didn't know what to expect. The Broncos had the home field advantage, and that's what won them the game, 24-9. to Russell Wilson tossed three touchdowns. They were very successful that game. On the other hand, the 49ers also lost to the Bengals, 31-17. They've now lost the past three games. Jaron Hall becomes the starter for the Vikings as Kirk Cousins gets injured in the fourth quarter. He tore his Achilles, which is ironic because that's what Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers did in week one. The World Series started Friday. The World Series is the baseball postseason final, and it's a fun time where there's a lot of fun traditions. This year, we have the Rangers and the Diamondbacks playing each other. Since the Rangers have the better record, they get to host Game 1. The Rangers did win Game 1 because Corey Seager hit a two-run home run in the ninth inning to tie the game 5-5, to and then Garcia, who's a great hitter, won the game on a walk-off in the 11th inning. The game was in extra innings in Game 1, 
pretty rare you see that in the World Series. The Rangers are now up 2-1 in the series. So, a fun fact that's pretty crazy. The team who scores first is proven these playoffs to go on and win the game. Both teams are undefeated when they score first. That's crazy. Garcia is doing really well right now. He is on the Rangers, and he's a great hitter. He has 22 RBIs. What RBIs mean are runs batted in when you hit it and you get a player home or your cell phone, and you score a point for your team. That's what an RBI is, and he has 22 this postseason, breaking the all-time record. Pretty crazy. The Diamondbacks won Game 2 9-1 after a four-hit night on pitching. So their pitcher, who pitched in Game 2, is going to come back in Game 6 or 7 if it goes to 1. And they'll need him because he's going to help limit the Rangers' explosive offense, which has helped them win a lot of games this postseason. Well, there you have the World Series. It's fun to talk about, and there's a lot of fun traditions, and their trophy is really cool as well. It has 30 flags for the 30 MLB teams, and they have these this organ that plays during the playoffs, and the World Series is just a really fun time. The fans are very passionate about their teams as well. Neither team has been in the World Series consistently. In fact, both teams had to win Game 6 and Game 7 on the road just to make it into the World Series. Pretty crazy. Now, I'm going to move on to talking about the Big 12, and in particular, my Big 12 rankings. So, I'll do my best to stay on topic because sometimes I get sidetracked talking about crazy games, and if I do, just know I'll come back to it and it's a tangent. Well, number one in my rankings, Texas. After a convincing win against BYU, which I was sad about because I'm a passionate BYU fan who wants the Cougs to do well, Texas definitely showed that they can play without Quinn Ewers. I give them my number one spot. Number two is Kansas. After Kansas got the win against Oklahoma in the big time upset that I predicted, they move up to number two in my rankings, and I think they well deserve it. They did this with a backup quarterback, Jason Bean. Number three is Oklahoma. Number four is Kansas State. They won 41 to zero. A pretty crazy. Number five is Iowa State. Number six, Oklahoma State. Number seven, West Virginia. Number eight, TCU. Number nine, BYU. Number 10, Houston. Number 11, UCF. Number 12, Texas Tech. Number 13, Baylor. And number 14, Cincinnati. The Big 12 is a really fun conference to be in. And it will get even more fun once the teams from the Pac-12 join next year. Those are Colorado, who's got Deion Sanders and a lot of hype, a lot of good recruiting coming their way, and a lot of TV deals and attention coming to them. They also have Utah, who's a really solid football program. They have Arizona, who's got Fafita, their freshman quarterback, who's going to be a force to be reckoned with, and Arizona State. So they've got some talent that they're bringing with them. I'm really glad the Big 12 was able to go out and get those four corner schools, as they call them. But right now, as we sit, Texas and Oklahoma um, are going to leave for the SEC, and it's really nice that BYU gets to play them in the final year that they're together. Like I predicted, Texas won, but it was such a fun game to go to. The experience there 
the brisket nachos, the Texas marching band with 28 sousaphones, uh, 8 to 10 cymbals, 8 to 10 drums, like snares, 6 tenor drums, 5 bass drums, and a large band that made many shapes of te- Texas that you'll recognize came out. And they had the big flag of Texas that they rolled out, and the U.S. flag and the national anthem, and they had I've Been Working on the Railroad, and all these so fun traditions that you can only find in Texas. And I'm so glad that I went, and I highly recommend it. Next year, Texas is going to be playing big-time SEC teams consistently, instead of some smaller Big 12 schools. And by smaller, Big 12 schools are still very big, and big-time in basketball. But SEC has some crazy football programs. I really do recommend seeing a game in Texas. It was one to check off the bucket list. So there you have my Big 12 rankings. College game day. This week is going to Alabama for Tuscaloosa to see Alabama play LSU. This is a big game, and it's uh, an important one because LSU is ranked number 14 in the new college football playoff rankings that I will talk about later and explain later. Alabama is ranked number 8 in the college football playoff rankings. If LSU can go into Tuscaloosa, where college game day is going, and get a win, it would be massive. College game day decided that it would go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama for the second time this year before Saturday even happened. So the CFP rankings are just rolled out today, and I will read them to you. Big surprise at number one in the rankings is Ohio State with a record of 8-0, and they dethroned Georgia finally. It's the first time Georgia hasn't been ranked number one all year, and since a bunch of time last year. Why is Ohio State ahead of Georgia? Because they've been number four or number three or number five all year, and they almost lost to Notre Dame, almost lost to Rutgers and Indiana and Wisconsin, but you look at their strength of schedule, which is what the CFP committee is looking at. The CFP committee are the people who decide the rankings. It's made up of 13 people, and they have a head committee chair member who basically announces the rankings. And they have this show every Tuesday, and they announce what the rankings are going to be that week. And these are the rankings that get teams into the playoff. So they're very important. Why did they put Ohio State ahead of Georgia? Well, Georgia is ranked 100 out of the 130 or so FBS teams, and Michigan is ranked 111th out of the 130 FBS teams in strength of schedule. What that means is playing teams with a high record and teams that have been really good. Ohio State has a strong strength of schedule, beating teams like Penn State, Notre Dame. I mean, and they have really good players on offense as well. Those two wins at Notre Dame and playing Penn State at home and getting the win is really going to help them on their resume. They will make it to the playoff, presumably as the number one seed if they run the table. If they beat Michigan later in the year, then that will further um, solidify their spot as the number one seed ahead of Georgia. But maybe the CFP committee decides to switch those two teams around. We will see. Georgia has looked so dominant, but they haven't played anyone of real significance. They've only played two teams with a winning record all year, and that's why they put them at number two. Number three is Michigan. 
Michigan is also 8-0. That's what the top five teams are. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington. So Michigan doesn't have a strong strength of, strength of schedule. They and Georgia have played some weak teams, but they've looked so dominant in the ways they've played it, and they've controlled each game in each minute, and they've defend, their defense has limited opponents to 7 to 0 points, and they've been playing really well. However, there are some investigations going on in Michigan right now because some of their staff members have been going to opposing teams on the upcoming schedule, and they've been looking at their signs that they use to call their plays, and they've been taking notes. Oh, when they call this sign, it's this play. It's a pass. When they call this sign, it's a run. This sign, it's a trick play to the wide receiver or the quarterback. And they've been taking notes and technically going to the games and it's not illegal to take notes and like scout them out. That's totally allowed. But what they're doing, which is wrong, is they're going home to the Michigan staff and telling everyone, hey, this is what they're going to do. And it's basically like cheating because you're looking at their game plan and using it to prepare defense to stop them. And that's not allowed in NCAA. So the investigations right now are going on at Michigan. And who knows what might happen? They might get a ban, which would be have major implications because it may knock Michigan out of the playoff. And that would be monumental. Number four, we have Florida State. And number five, Washington. Florida State fans are a little angry. Or a lot angry, I should say. Because... Ohio State has a strong strength of schedule, and they got vaulted up to number one. Why does Florida State stay at number four when they have just as much of a strong strength of schedule? They beat LSU on the road in week one, and that was before they really knew, okay, these are our guys. You know, it was week one, and they beat LSU 45-24. That's a three-touchdown margin. Why does the CFP committee not reward that enough? Well, that's really their only game that they've won against a solid team with a strength of schedule. They also don't have many upcoming teams in the ACC that are going to be ranked. And they don't play Louisville, who's the other ranked team in the ACC. They don't play them all year. So it's going to be a really easy way for them to finish undefeated and make the playoff, but not as a high seed because they don't have as strong the strength of schedule as Georgia and Michigan do. Michigan still has to play Penn State and Ohio State later in the year, and that will be some fun games. Georgia, in the next three weeks, has to play Tennessee. They have to play teams like Alabama and LSU. You know those big SEC names? Well, that's who Georgia's going to go up next in the next three weeks. Ole Miss, they're also going to play Ole Miss, and those will be some really fun games. So there you have my top five in the CFP rankings. Number six is Oregon. Number seven, Texas. Number eight, Alabama. Oregon gets the nod at the number six spot as the first team with one loss because of their dominant win at Utah. Texas at seven and one, and they might improve once to get Quinn Ewers back. Number eight, Alabama. Texas and Alabama might be switched spots if it hadn't been for that head-to-head win that Texas had at, at Alabama earlier in the year. That's why they get the number seven spot. Number 9 is Oklahoma, number 10 is Ole Miss, and that's the top 10. So everyone else behind them is still in the rankings, 
and I feel like Air Force got did a little dirty because they're 8-0, and and they're only 25 in the rankings. They should be higher. And from the span of number 14 to number 23, all of those teams, 10 teams, all have two losses. Tulane and Air Force are the final two teams, and they're both group of five teams, naturally. The CFP committee does like to reward the Power 5 teams, which is a little unfair, but you have to give them credit because it's strength of schedule, and group of five teams just don't have that type of strength of schedule that the Power 5 teams do. So there's a little bit of uh, unlevelness, unfairness on the football field, and that's how college football is. It's not always going to be fair, and we know that. We accept it. And looks like the CFP rankings are going to make for an interesting playoff race. Because Ohio State, basically a lock if they can win out. Georgia, basically a lock if they can win out. Michigan, uh, depends on them or Ohio State. I think either Michigan or Ohio State is going to win. And, well, in the final game, they play each other, right? The winner's going to get into the playoff. That's a guaranteed because both of them should win out till that final game. The winner gets in, and I think the loser probably gets the number five team just outside of it. Unless some teams like Washington start losing. I think Ohio State or Michigan gets one of the spots. Georgia gets one of the spots. Florida State easily gets one of the spots. And the number four spot is where it gets interesting. If Washington loses, like a lot of people are thinking they're going to do, I think Washington's going to lose. They've looked really shaky the past two weeks against Stanford and Arizona State, two of the weakest teams in the Pac-12. And they've looked really shaky. I'm not sure that Washington's going to win out and win the Pac-12 championship game. They're going to have to beat Oregon once again in the championship game if they go that far. And that will be amazing, an amazing feat. That will get them the number four spot in the playoff. But if they lose just one of those games, here's where it gets interesting. Because you're looking at an Oregon or a Washington or a tentative Ohio State slash Michigan. You also have Texas. You have Alabama. And you might have one other team sneaking up. Do you put in uh, one of those one-loss or two-loss teams? Presumably not a two-loss team, but maybe an Ole Miss, an Alabama, Penn State. Who knows what's going to happen? The number four spot is where things get interesting. And I think it will be a great race coming up in the final weeks of college football. Okay, I'm going to read with you the CFP games, college football. CFB stands for college football, the college football games. There are some really good ones that you need to check out this week. Are Kansas State at Texas, big game. We have Kansas State checking in at number 23 in the rankings and Texas at number 7. So that's a ranked-on-ranked game. LSU at Alabama, that's number 14 at number 7. Probably number number 8. You have Washington at USC. Big game. Washington at number 5. I think that USC is going to get the upset and upset Washington, give them their first loss of the year. And that'll be number 20 USC at number 5 Washington. Sorry, Washington at USC, I mean. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's actually in the rankings now at number 22 because they have a 6-2 and two record, and I think they've done really well since being last in my personal Big 12 rankings. Now number 22, they are going to host number 9 Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma State 
is going to have a really good game against Oklahoma. They might even hand Oklahoma their second loss in two weeks. We will see. Texas A&M at Ole Miss, and that's an SEC battle you need to check out. And at Ole Miss, they have this special tailgating event before the game. They have the Grove, which is possibly the biggest tailgate in all of college football. It's historic, famous, and there's a lot of food. And it's something unique to Ole Miss that you can't find anywhere else. So the tailgating there is pig, and it's huge. Personally, I was tailgating at the BYU at Texas game Saturday, and it's nothing like Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's way bigger in Texas because everything's bigger in Texas. But the Grove at Ole Miss in SEC country when they're going to play like Texas A&M or they host Alabama or Georgia, man, that is going to be some hyped games. I'm really excited for that. Okay, time for college pick'em. There is some really good games, as I've shared with you. Now, I'm going to break down who's going to win. All right, first up on my pick'em, we have Texas A&M Aggies at number 10, Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss to win this game. Next one is Notre Dame at Clemson. Notre Dame ranked number 15 in the rankings, kind of a snub. I'm going to go with Notre Dame to get their revenge win. Number 23, Kansas State at number 7, Texas Longhorns. It's just, this is one that's a real toss-up because Kansas State won 41-0 last week against Houston. And Texas also was very convincing without quarterback Quinn Ewers, but their quarterback, Malik Murphy, threw two interceptions, and he's prone to, prone to throw interceptions and make costly mistakes. So it should be a really close game. But I think Texas wins close. So I'm going to go with the Texas Longhorns. Number 9, Oklahoma Sooners at number 22, Oklahoma State Cowboys. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State to get the upset at home. Number 23, James Madison at Georgia State. Probably James Madison. Number 21, Kansas Jayhawks at Iowa State Cyclones. I'm going to go with Kansas to ride on their momentum after a big upset at Oklahoma. But... I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if, Ohio- if Iowa State wins this one. It's one of those toss-ups. Number 5, Washington, and number 20, USC. Another toss-up, because Washington's been playing really well all year, disregard the last two weeks. They've just laying eggs. They barely won at Arizona State. They barely could win at Stanford. And now they're going to have to play at USC. And USC is known to score a lot of points but they allow a lot of points. So I expect a high, high scoring, like 40s, 50s, 60s even, game between these two teams. And it will be one for the ages, but I predict USC to get the win in the end. Number 14, LSU Tigers, at number 8, Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama is 7-1, and and LSU is 6-2. and Remember last year, how Alabama was playing at Death Valley, and LSU was down by a touchdown in overtime. They decided to go for two after they got the touchdown. They made it, and they won the game on a two-point conversion. Well, Alabama will be seeking a revenge. I think Alabama gets the win at home. Next up, Miami at NC State. I'm going to go with NC State. After they beat Clemson, they looked very convincing. I'm going to go with them at home. 
Another toss-up is number 19, UCLA, at Arizona. I'm going to go with Arizona at home in this game. I like the home teams in a lot of these games. The home field advantage is real, and I've learned that in my college football days. Number 19, UCLA, is really good, actually. They won convincingly against Colorado, but it was still reasonably close. And Arizona showed they can beat tough, quality teams. This is what they did against Oregon State, ranked number 11. They beat them 27-24 at home. And I think they have a really good quarterback in Fafita, the freshman. I'm going to go with Arizona to get the win at home. So, quite a few toss-ups on my pick'em. And there's some ones that I'm unsure about. But I did my best in those standard picks. Now, on to the spread. We have Ohio State ranked number one in the rankings. We'll see if they live up to the hype. Rutgers, not ranked. It's 18.5 to Ohio State. I'm going to go with Ohio State to cover this one. Like I said, Kansas State at Texas. I think it'll be really close, with Texas barely getting the win. The spread is 5.5 to Texas. I think that Kansas State can definitely cover this spread. Army Black Knights at number 25, Air Force Falcons. I feel like Air Force is such a good team, and they've really used the triple threat to perfection this year. 8-0, undefeated. I'm going to go with them to cover the spread of 18.5 to them. Number 12, Missouri at number 2, Georgia. Wow, it's been a while since Georgia's not been number 1. This spread is 16.5 to Georgia. I'm going to go with Missouri to face a Georgia team that's kind of emotionally drained after a game at Florida in Jacksonville. Well, I'm going to go with Missouri to cover the spread of 16.5. Maybe not win outright, but I'm going to see that they can cover. Number 11, Penn State at Maryland. Penn State is given 10.5. Well, I'm going to go with Penn State to cover this one because I think they're a good team. And finally, we have Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, the big showdown between the two Oklahoma schools. It's 6.5 to Oklahoma, and because I'm picking Oklahoma State to win outright, this isn't easy. I'm picking Oklahoma State to cover this one. Cal Golden Bears at number 6, Oregon Ducks. Oregon's given 23.5 to cover. I'm going to say that they can cover it. Because Bo Nix looks so dominant, I think that they're going to hold Cal on defense and carve, like, shred their defense. Like, Bo Nix is crazy right now. So 23.5, give me the Ducks to cover on that one. Purdue at number three, Michigan. The spread is 32.5 to Michigan. Once again, it's an easy game for Michigan. Easy win. I'm picking Michigan to cover this one. But really, they've got to start facing some tough teams because they faced no one tough yet. Number 14, LSU at number 8, Alabama. It's 4.5 to Alabama. Alabama's given 4.5. I'm going to go with them to cover this one. And finally, number 16, Oregon State at Colorado. Oregon State is given 13.5. I'm going to go with Colorado at home. In the late night at 8 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time, Shadur Sanders and Deion Sanders, the father-son combo, I'm going to go with them to get the win outright in this game and beat number 16, Oregon State. Well, there you have my picks for college pick'em. BYU has a big game, big game, like bowl eligibility depending game coming up this week.
if they win, they're they're bowl eligible. They go to six wins and go to six and three, and that would help them so much. If they lose, the odds of them getting bowl eligible are about 50-50 because then they'd have to beat either Iowa State, tough game, Oklahoma, very hard, and at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are going to be really hard, and we'd be lucky to get a win. So I think we have to win at West Virginia or hosting Iowa State in the next two weeks for us to get bowl eligible. I think it's doable. I think, in my prediction, that we are going to win at West Virginia this week. Why? Well, we know how to travel. We just need to figure out how to play on offense. West Virginia has looked like a beatable team sometimes in the year. While they are 5-3, and three, I think that BYU has the potential to pull off an upset. They really don't know what we can be capable of if we really play together. I'm predicting a close BYU win. BYU by 6, 27-21. I'll give you a bit of a background on the key players in this game. Ours are Keaton Slovis, Max Tooley. Max Tooley's been the quarterback of our defense, per se, as the linebacker with 55 tackles. He also has a sack, a pass breakup, and an interception. He will need to be very active as a leader on defense for BYU to stop some of the key players on West Virginia, such as quarterback Garrett Green, who's been playing pretty well lately. He has a dominant rushing attack. He brings forth force with his legs and his arms. They also have C.J. Donaldson as their running back. So West Virginia's threat on offense is a running back and a quarterback, a running game, really. And BYU has struggled a bit to cover the running game because our linebackers have been dealt with injuries. Ben Bywater's been out for more than a few weeks, been out since that Kansas game, and it hasn't returned yet. We have Max Tooley, A.J. Vonjapana, and we also have Harrison Taggart filling in for him. Hopefully we can get Ben Bywater back, because he really helped stop the run game. And without that, we might struggle a bit to cover West Virginia's run. Because they run so much, I think the clock will run faster, making it a low-scoring game. So, around the 20s, or maybe even the 10s. But it should be a low-scoring game, more of a uh, slog, and an ugly game. But West Virginia and BYU, both very physical teams, and they like to do things like the hard way and get those tackles. And West Virginia's a country team. Like, they're from the country, West Virginia, Mountain Mama. Such a unique experience that you get in West Virginia. It'll be a 7 p.m. night game there in West Virginia, 5 p.m. mountain time here, Idaho, Utah, around mountain time area. And you also have the the game. It's a game at 7. You have their linebacker, Lee Bogba, I want to say, and he's their leader on defense. So hopefully that BYU's offense can do some stuff this week. Assuming they can, we should easily get the win. West Virginia is shown to be a beatable team this year. The first games, they lost to Penn State 15-38, and then they beat Dukens 56-17. They beat West, not sorry, they beat Pittsburgh 17-6 in the backyard brawl. That was a big win for them. They beat TCU on the road 24-21 when TCU still had their quarterback Chandler Morris. They've lost teams like Oklahoma State 48-34, to 
And recently, just last week, they beat UCF 41-28 to on the road. So West Virginia has shown they can be kind of up and down, but they can be good on offense. They score a lot of points. I'm assuming that BYU's defense can get the amount of turnovers needed, fumbles, interceptions, etc., to keep the game low scoring, how we like it. And I'm hoping BYU gets the win by six. And it should be a really fun one because there's just nothing like Milan Puskar Stadium in West Virginia. It's the authentic, authentic country day experience that you get there. So I'm excited for BYU. It'll be televised on FS1. It should be a really good game. Now, Gabe's game this week is going to be Washington at USC. I really like this game, and I think this will be high-scoring and really entertaining and fun to watch. Michael Penix Jr. as the Washington quarterback facing Caleb Williams as the Heisman runner from last year. And they're both going at it for the Heisman Trophy this year. Will Caleb Williams get back-to-back, or will it be Michael Penix Jr., carrying Washington by getting the big wins necessary, like Oregon and USC and Utah. And Washington's going to have to step up their game, but I think it'll be high, high scoring, with USC getting the win in the end. And it'll be a really entertaining game. So I think this game is the one that you should make sure to check out. And it will be so good. I'm really excited for it. And there's a lot of other fun games. But Washington at USC is going to have two of the best quarterbacks in the country that are definitely Sunday game, like Sunday NFL type of quarterbacks. They will be playing in the NFL later in their careers and drafted in the first round. I guarantee it. It will be a fun one, watching watching these two offenses, explosive, dynamic, fast, strong, big, fast. Fast. They're so fast. I've said that many times, but you've seen USC players. They are faster than Texas players. The tall and the fast ones go to Texas. That's what BYU coach Lavelle Edwards said. He has this famous quote, famous quote that he said, We either get the fast players or the tall players, but the tall and fast players go to USC. And I think USC's got so much talent on offense. And look at Washington. Their passing attack is so dangerous. It will be a force to be reckoned with. And that's Gabe's game, everybody.